Deliverance from the Curse, continuation of our study last Lord's Day uh, on the great society of our blessed Lord or his earthly reign. When the first resurrection is completed, I mean by that when the body of every believer is raised from the dead and we come to realize the fullness of redemption in Christ Jesus our Lord in our new bodies, then simultaneously with the resurrection there comes the removal of the curse from all creation. This is stated so clearly in Romans 8.20. Let's read it, will you? If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8.20 quickly. For the creature, or creation, was made subject to vanity. Vanity means, that is, fruitlessness or the blight, which is the curse. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered. Get it now? The creation also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We are told here in this great portion of God's word uh, that the resurrect at the resurrection of the believers' bodies, all creation is delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Before our Lord can reign here on this earth, the curse must be removed from the creation. Therefore, in the very beginning of his earthly reign, he delivers the earth and all the creatures from the dominion of the curse. Let's first, let's notice first what the curse upon creation is. When we study God's word closely, we find there's a twofold curse upon the earth. The first one is found in Genesis 3.17, which came as a result of Adam and Eve walking in disobedience unto the Lord by the eating the forbidden fruit. Now listen to the words of this curse. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Thou shalt not eat it. Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. The next verse shows what this curse includes. Listen. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, in the sweat of thy brow, a face shall thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Romans 8 tells us that this curse was placed upon creation, not willingly, but because man had sinned, cursed for thy sake. And that when man is redeemed, and the earth stripped of its enemies, and Satan, the curse, will be removed. In Genesis 4.10, gives us a further curse upon the ground, as well as upon man. Cain, in his utter rebellion against God, get it now, you listen, refused to bring a blood offering unto the Lord, recognizing himself a sinner, and he went out from the presence of the Lord, that is, left the altar at the east of the garden, never to return. God said to him, listen, what? Thou hast done, 
What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. We find here that God placed an additional curse upon the ground itself, that it would not yield its strength because it had opened its mouth to receive the blood of the first martyred saint. Throughout the book of Revelation, we have noticed that the Lord will avenge the blood of his saints. He said the harlot Babylon will receive double for all her sins, because in her was found the blood of prophets and saints. This curse upon the earth has been continuous because of the shedding of the blood of the saints by the emissaries of Satan. Through the centuries, man has used every means within his power to replenish the substance in the earth and produce favorable conditions to produce the fruit of the ground. But whether man recognizes it or not, the ground is under a double curse from God and under a continued curse because of the enmity of the unredeemed against God's children and against the shedding of their blood. Therefore, when Christ returns to earth to set up his kingdom, he has to rid it of every unsaved rebel and lift the curse from all creation, including the ground itself, that it may bring forth its strength. Now, I'm looking forward to that day. In Genesis 9:24, we find another curse placed upon humanity. And Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Cana, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. This curse has never been removed. It still rests upon humanity, especially upon that part of the human race descended from Cain. Today the whole earth is in one revolution because of man's revolt against that curse. One of our leaders is reported to have said the other day that God made a mistake when he placed that curse on Canaan, the descendants of Ham, and since God made a mistake, it was his business to help remove that curse. My friends, you and I cannot get away from the fact that God has placed a curse upon humanity and upon this earth and the whole creation on account of sin. And it is only through the redemptive power of the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, ascension, and second coming back to this earth that God's curse can be removed. Christ not only died on the cross to save poor lost sinners from hell and for heaven, but he died to remove the curse from this earth as well as to cleanse this entire universe of every stain and blood of sin and everything that worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Now, there's a study there. I, I recommend every one of you preachers especially go in there and study uh, the breadth and the height and the depth of the power of the blood of the Son of God. Then you'll never make fun of it again. So during the kingdom age, when our Lord shall rule on the earth for 1,000 years, the curse brought down by the sin of man will be removed. Listen to Isaiah 14.3. And it shall come to pass in that day, talking about the day of Christ's rule, that the Lord shall give thee rest, listen now, rest from thy sorrow, 
second from thy fear, third from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. Sorrow refers to Genesis 3.17, where God said, In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. He's going to remove that sorrow at the beginning of the kingdom age. The word sorrow means pain in labor, grief in toil, affliction in body and mind. What comfort just to think that all the sorrow will be taken away and the curse placed upon the earth in the Garden of Eden will be removed from the entire human race during the millennial, millennial reign of our Lord. Fear refers to Genesis 3.15 where God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. That enmity, that fear between man and the serpent will be removed when the curse is lifted because Satan and all his demon spirits and fallen angels will be in the bottomless pit during the reign of Christ on earth. The blood redemption of Christ also removes the curse of enmity and fear between man and man because guilt has been put away. Listen to Genesis 4.12. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. And then in verse 14, Cain said, I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. When Cain refused to repent and offer the blood sacrifice, his guilt made him fear, and he cried out, I can't stand this any longer. One of the greatest obstacles of life today is fear for our fellow man. As the world is being given up to an impenitent and reprobate mind today, violence and murder is increasing. Even at this moment, nearly everyone fears for his life. We do not know at what moment some vagabond will spring on us, breaking into our homes, overpowering us in our cars, or waylaying us by the roadside. But during the kingdom age, all that fear will be removed, and every man shall live in his own house, cultivate his own vineyard, go about his own business without fear of his fellow man, because his enmity against man will be removed. Is not grace? Again in Isaiah 14.3 we notice that the Lord will give thee rest from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. This is the lifting of the curse of Genesis 3.19 from the ground. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. When the curse is removed from the ground, it brings forth fruit in its strength. Then it will be a joy and a privilege to cultivate the ground because each individual will need only to cultivate a small portion of ground to produce all the food he needs. There'll be no thorns and no thistles. As we saw in our last study, the plowman will overtake the reaper. The curse will be so removed until the deserts will blossom as a rose. The barren mountains will produce vineyards and olive orchards, according to Joel 3.18. In other words, the curse being removed from the earth Every section will return to its full strength of production. You see, the great creator, the Lord Jesus himself, will be the monarch, and everything will be under his control. The elements will be under his control. Every season will be under his control. The rains will be regulated for the fruitfulness of the earth, as stated in Isaiah 30.23. Thou Then shall he give the rain of thy seed, and thou shalt sow the ground with all, and bread of the increase of the earth, and it shall be fat and plenteous. In that day shall they, 
thy cattle feed in large pastures. The prophets that throughout speak of what glorious day it'll be when our Lord reigns on earth. The light will be increased according to Isaiah 30, 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of the seven days in the day when the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. In other words, my friend, the Lord will bring about such changes over this entire earth and everything that touches this earth or has to do with his people that it, it will become like almost a paradise indeed. Over and again the scripture says the meek shall inherit the earth and this will be fulfilled in the kingdom age. During this age we're beaten down, scoffed at, made light of, belittled, put to death after being tortured in every way possible. But what a day it'll be when our Lord comes and sets up his great society and works out every detail based upon justice and righteousness and holiness of our God. That day is coming. Satan through his emissaries, through the centuries since the fall of man has tried to bring about such a golden age, he's used every means he can imagine or inspire the human mind to think of to bring about an age of utopia. But he has failed. He can't bring it about with fallen man. He can't do it with depraved minds that are eaten up with lust, covetousness, jealousy, hatred, murder, malice, and the love of pleasure and the love of money. Such a society can be built only by the Lord Jesus Christ with his resurrected saints and his redeemed human beings. In the lifting of the curse, which the prophet Ezekiel stated thus, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. There will again be the longevity of life during Christ's earthly reign. According to Isaiah 65, 20, there shall be no more an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. The length of life will likely be such as prevail before the flood, that being so the earth will be populated such as never has been before, with the curse removed and the earth producing in its strength, there will be plenty of food to feed an earth full of people. In connection with this thought, we notice that sickness will be removed, according to Isaiah 33:25, and the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. In other words, the minister of the king, as a healer, will be seen throughout this age, so that sickness and even death, except as a penal measure in dealing with open rebellion, will be unknown. Jeremiah brings this out when he says, For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. We called your attention to the special curse placed upon the descendants of Ham through Canaan. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, through the centuries the human race has had to deal with this curse, and today we are seeing a worldwide revolt against this curse of God. Instead of acknowledging it as coming from the hand of God, men are revolting against it and taking it, on e taking it out on each other because they can't get to God. That answers the question of why so much strife and riots and civil warfare. But one day, my friend, God's going to remove that curse, but it, it will, but it will be during the kingdom age. Let's read Zechariah 14:21. And in that day, there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. That means that the curse will be removed. So I have studied closely the old prophets. As I have studied closely the old prophets, I'm struck by the minute details 
they give us are the characteristics of the kingdom age. For instance, we find Zephaniah 3.9 that the confounding of the languages at the Tower of Babel is a curse that he will remove during the kingdom age. Listen to this. For then will I turn to the people of pure language that they will call upon the name of the Lord to serve me with one consent. Won't that be a wonderful age when the Lord removes the curse that fell upon the race when he had to confuse the language to restrain man in his utter rebellious state and scatter them over the whole earth in order to work out his purpose through mankind? Do you know that the Bible is translated in over a thousand different languages and dialects alone? And he, he says he will return the people a pure language for one purpose, that will, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve me with one consent. Then everybody can read the Bible. There'll be no illiteracy. There won't. Wherever you travel over the earth, everyone will be speaking the same language, a pure language. My conviction is that'll be the same language that he gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when he created them. He will empower them or give them the gift to speak, to all speak the same language. We have a foretaste of that at Pentecost when Peter preached that great sermon and 3,000 were saved in one day. They all heard him in their own language. That was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And during the kingdom age, God through the Holy Spirit will give to every individual the same language as a direct gift of the Spirit from God the Father. The purpose is that all may worship the Son with one consent, that all may read the Word of God together, all may be taught of the Lord out of the same book. When we study the Word of God and find out God's decree in regard to the human race, what his eternal plan is and how he ordained to bring about a perfect society on this earth, we face one outstanding truth. That is, it is all of grace from first to last. God has taken fallen humanity, totally depraved sinners, and by the new birth, he's making a new creation, a new race of people of whom Christ is our federal head, who redeemed us with his own precious blood, and through this new race of people, redeemed out from among the fallen sons of Adam, we will rule this earth during the kingdom age for 1,000 years with our blessed Lord. At this point, I want to try to clear up a question left in many of your minds regarding those who are left on earth at the close of the tribulation period. As we said, the saints who have been martyred are raised from the dead, but the living saints who remain when Christ returns and destroys all Satan's followers, will go into the kingdom age with their natural bodies. That is, they are not translated, and they will re repopulate this earth. Their children will inherit their fallen nature, and they will have to be redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, just as we've been redeemed. But they'll come up under the knowledge of the Lord, which will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There'll be no devil to tempt them no demon spirit to entice them and lead them astray. There'll be a continual outpouring of the Holy Spirit, such as the world has never known, and therefore a continuous revival among men of turning to the Lord. According to Ezekiel, the temple will be rebuilt 
and the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ will be worldwide. Read the last chapters of Ezekiel, beginning with chapter 40. Pilgrimages will be made every year by multitudes from all over the world and representatives of every nation coming to see and worship the Lord Jesus. I have no desire to visit what they call the Holy Land now. I haven't. I'm going to wait until then because I'm going to be with him in his reign and I'll visit him at the Holy Land. Man has never lived under such influence of the Holy Spirit or under such a favorable, favorable environment or with such spiritual surroundings as he will live under during the kingdom age. Christ will be there in person and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and the praise of his holy name will be worldwide. Yet at the close of the thousand year period, there will be a multitude who in their hearts uh, who have never bowed to the lordship and the kingship of Christ. In their hearts, they're rebellious. In our next study, we'll see what happens to them. Let me say to you frankly, my friend, the average one of you do not believe the Bible. You will not sit down and study these great prophetic scriptures that deal with the kingdom reign of Christ on earth, the great society of our Lord Jesus, with all the curses removed from the earth, the curses of the earth, the curse of Ham, and the curse of the confusion of languages. You do not know God's word about the glorious influence of the Holy Spirit and the worship of the Lord Jesus in a land of plenty where there'll be no want and where there'll be no enmity between man and man. No, no, no death except when Christ will have to enforce capital punishment upon openly rebellious individuals where there'll be no deformity and he will be the great heel of the sick and the afflicted where there'll be no strife between capital and labor or among the laboring man, where there'll be no rioting and uprising and where there'll be no cesspools of sin. Won't that be a wonderful world to live in? What a society. Yet you won't believe it. You won't believe what I'm preaching today. You make fun of it. You laugh at it. You won't have the Lord Jesus Christ now as your Lord and Savior. You don't believe there is a heaven to win and a hell to shun. You don't believe in the vicarious death of Christ on the cross as your sin offering. You love sin. You love pleasure of the world and sin. You are covetous, jealous, hateful, hating, self-willed. My friend, all of that is going under. And only those in Christ Jesus will be made in the likeness of the Son of God and will rule with him when he comes. Are you looking for him? My cry is, come, Lord Jesus, come. I do believe you. I believe your word. I, I, I believe you. I believe him. I know his word's true. Now let's look more closely at the nature of his government. During the reign of our Lord on earth, it'll be the direct administration of divine government on earth for 1,000 years headed by the Lord Jesus Christ and his saints. The center of this administration is Jerusalem, the capital city of, na of the nation Israel. The scripture says that all nations will be blessed under the reign of Israel or the Jews. One day I walked into a place of business where the owner was cussing the Jews for everything he could think of. I backed up against the wall and waited until he'd finished. And then he turned and asked me, Pastor, what do you say about it? I said, my friend, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to to this earth, the Jewish nation will be the ruling nation of the earth with Christ on the throne as the king of the Jews. 
and his twelve apostles, all Jews, will be raised from the dead, sitting on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Then the converted Jews, who go through the tribulation period, will be the evangelist of the world. He turned to me and said, Well, what are we poor Gentiles going to do? I said, Sir, you'll repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or go to hell. That's exactly what you'll do. What is the object of the thousand-year reign? Did you ever stop to think, my friend, who the Lord Jesus Christ is? He's the Son of God, the only begotten Son, the well-beloved of the Father. And have you ever stopped to consider that his love brought him to this earth to die for sinners, that he might redeem us with his own precious blood? Did you ever sit down at the feet of the foot of the cross and gaze upon the object of man's shame and disgrace, man's contempt and brutality, whose visage was so marred more than any man, and his far more than the sons of men, that he became the astonishment of the whole world? My friend, get this one truth. If you never hear another, this this is God the Father publicly honoring his son on this earth, where he has been dishonored by men. When the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, he came under his own. His own received him not. They cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And for nearly 2,000 years has been dishonored. God will honor his son far more than men have dishonored him on this earth. He'll be king of kings and lord of lords. This is also the time when God will carry out his promise to his son and fulfill all the promises concerning him as he will be given the throne of his father David and fulfill all the promises made to his children.